Good morning. How are you guys today? It's good to see you. Thanks for coming up. Now, at the beginning of the service, I mentioned how today is just as big of a day as Christmas and Easter. And you might be thinking to yourself, yeah, I don't really buy it. And I, I think I figured out why. Every year, we do something pretty special for Christmas. What do we usually do at Christmas that's one of the things that makes it such a special time of year? Anybody know? Okay, invite people over. What do we give to other people at Christmas? What's pretty common? We give presents to people. We give them gifts, right? Do you know why we do that? We do that because Christmas is the time when we celebrate the greatest gift that has ever been given, that God the Father gave his son to the world as a gift. And then Easter comes. And we don't give gifts that are wrapped up in bows put under a tree, but we do often give gifts. Some families do Easter baskets. Our church did an Easter egg hunt, right? And when you find those Easter eggs, what's inside? Little treats, little presents, right? Easter, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And a lot of times to do that, we give people gifts. We give them treats. I think the problem with Pentecost is that we don't give each other anything. What do you think? I think we should start giving each other gifts for Pentecost. You guys on board? Should we do that next year? Should we start giving gifts for Pentecost? I think so. And it makes a lot of sense. You know why? Because Pentecost is when we celebrate the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to you and to me. Now, one of the things we're going to talk about today is what can happen if we don't really like our gift or what can happen if we really, really like our gift. Sometimes, if we really, really like our gift, we can start to think, man, I must be really special. There must be something super special about me for this person to get me such a wonderful gift. We call that arrogance or pride when we think we're really, really awesome, and that must be why we got such an awesome gift. But then on the other side, if we don't like the gift that we have, maybe we look at somebody else's gift and we say, I like their gift better than mine. We get jealous. We want a different gift. Today, we're going to think about the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to each and every one of us, and he has given all of you gifts. We're going to ask him to help us see the gift that he has given to us. We're going to ask him to help us appreciate the gift that he has given to us. And we're going to ask him to help us use the gift that he has given to us. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for all that you do for us. If it wasn't for your work in our hearts, we would never celebrate Christmas and we would never celebrate Easter. You're the one who has showed us Jesus. You're the one who has shown us our sin and our need for a Savior. You're the one who has shown us that we have the Savior we need. We ask that you would help us today. Help us to better appreciate your work in our lives. Help us to appreciate the gifts you have given to us and to put them to use to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We'll get to the text that you have printed in your worship folder in just a minute. We're actually going to look at verses 1 and 2 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as well. But before we do, just wanted to 
get you thinking about an important detail that we're going to come across in the first few verses. You ever heard someone say, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual? Do you know what that really means? Religion is a way of thinking that has top-down authority. Religion has a a, a truth source. There is a source of truth with religion. The God, the teacher, someone is telling you what's true. Someone who is not religious, but spiritual, they reject the idea that they need a source of truth outside of themselves. Really, a spiritual person is one who prefers a God who can't talk. They prefer a God who is unable to give any direction. And that's because a spiritual person believes that they are fully capable of being the arbiter of what's right and what's wrong. No outside influence needed. So keep that in mind as you listen to these first few verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to hear Paul speak about mute idols, idols that cannot speak. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, Somehow or other, you are influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, that last phrase is one that you've probably memorized. Most Lutherans are told to memorize that one. No one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. And usually we just memorize that part not the whole section, right? But it's interesting to to take that little nugget that you've probably heard many times before and to stick it into the context of the Corinthian church who had formerly been worshiping gods who couldn't talk. This is a big difference. And Paul wants to make it very clear. You used to be under the influence of gods who were literally unable to tell you what was right and what was wrong. If those religions had teachers who would stand up and tell you this is what the God teaches, you would have literally no way of validating that source of truth. There'd be no way of knowing if that teacher actually had a direct line to Zeus's throne room. No way. You could never be sure. And so to go from that context where you have gods who can't talk to the one true God who does talk. It changes everything. And Paul starts off by, by wanting to make sure that the Corinthians, and then you and I also, understand the ramifications of a God who does speak. He says, if, if anyone is against Jesus, if anyone is saying Jesus is cursed, you know they don't have the Holy Spirit. They have not been brought from spiritual death to spiritual life. But If you say the words, Jesus is Lord, and not only speak the physical sounds, but actually believe those words. If you believe Jesus is actually my Lord, he is my superior, he is the one who has the right to tell me what's right and tell me what's wrong, then the Holy Spirit has already worked in you. He's already spoken to you through the word of God. He's already done 
one of his greatest things, which is to bring you from spiritual death to spiritual life, he has already given you faith. And that is always the first gift of the Holy Spirit. Faith which clings to Jesus as Lord and Savior. That is always the first gift that the Holy Spirit gives. But he gives a lot more than just faith in Jesus. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. The same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. At the end of the service today, I'll tell you a little bit more about the vicar that God has assigned to us. I got to meet him this week when I was down at our seminary on Thursday. The reason I went down on Thursday was, yes, to meet our vicar, but also to be there for call day, for the assignment service of all this year's seminary graduates. And boy, is it a cool thing. 44 men and a lot of family and friends who care about them gathered in this big room, singing their hearts out, waiting to hear where their sons would be scattered to. One of the things I love the most about our seminary is that it doesn't take men and shove them into a mold and then out pops a pastor as though they're all the same. We're clearly not. And those of you who have been around for a while, you know that. Don't need to tell you that. Every pastor's different. And our seminary is very intentional about that. I don't know if you knew that. They're very intentional about taking men and teaching each individual man who comes through that seminary what it would mean for them in their unique gifts and with their unique weaknesses to be a pastor. It's a really neat thing and it's actually very consistent with what we hear here. In verse five, we heard there are different kinds of service but the same Lord. The word in Greek there is the word that gives us ministry, diakones, it's where we get the word deacon from. And if you could think of any passage in the New Testament that talks about ministers, ministering, ministry, it's probably a form of this word. God has entrusted to us the ministry of reconciliation. What Paul is saying here is there is many different ways to minister. There are many different kinds of ministers and many different kinds of ministries. But it's the same God working through all of them. All of our different unique strengths and all of our different unique weaknesses, God takes them and he works through them. This next verse is really cool. Verse six, there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. The word for working and work here is the Greek word that gives us our English word energy. So I want to read this again, but I'm gonna use a form of the word energy to help you better understand what's, what's going on here. There are different kinds of energies, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God who energizes. So when we use the word energy in English, there's a couple different ways we'll use it. A lot of times it's how we're feeling, right? If you say, oh, I got a lot of energy today. What do you mean by that? I'm gonna get a lot done. I have the ability to do a lot of things today. I am full of energy. If you say, I just have no energy today, that's code for don't expect much from me today. I'm not gonna get a whole lot done. 
We also use the word energy a lot with appliances and machines and vehicles, right? Uh, Energy-efficient appliance is one that takes electricity and in the most efficient way possible is still able to accomplish its task. You put fuel into a vehicle, it's able to do what it's designed to do. Energy equals ability. No energy, no ability. This passage is saying God is not only the one who gives you these different functions. He's not only the one who makes you um, have these different gifts, these different energies, he's also the one who powers you. He gives you your unique abilities, and then he gives you the strength to put it to use. It's a really encouraging thought. It's not just God has given you gifts, now get out there and use them. It's God has given you gifts, and he's the one who powers you to use those gifts. Last section for today. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by that same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. So in this last section, we really have two different portions, two portions of gifts, gifts that are still present in the church today and gifts that for a very good reason are no longer present in the church today. Let's work backwards. So at the end, you hear that gifts of healing are gifts of the Spirit, uh, miraculous powers, prophecy, and the ability to distinguish between prophecies, speaking in tongues, and the ability to interpret tongues. These were common in the days of the early church. And it ties to something I mentioned earlier about mute idols. You had no idea if the priests or the prophets of an idol were telling you the truth. God used these extraordinary gifts in the early days of the church to validate the message of his early messengers. When Peter told a lame man to stand up and walk, and he did, just like when Jesus had, it validated his words. Remember that story in the book of Acts of the boring sermon that Paul preached and the guy fell asleep and fell out of the window and died? You ever heard that one? The sermon was so boring, the guy fell out of the window and he died, but then Paul raised him back to life. When God would speak through his people, he wanted to make sure that the people listening to them knew this actually is from God. And so he would validate those works. Prophecy was distinguished from false prophecy. Speaking in tongues was interpreted so that the people could understand. God always made sure that there was a way to validate the message of the early Christian church, but that's not necessary anymore because we have this piece of technology. And I know you you think about the thing in the pocket as the technology. 
that has all the different translations. You can even listen to the Bible in a bunch of different translations. But this is technology too. Paper bound together to last all in one place. This is much smaller than a wall full of scrolls. This is much more portable and much more durable than a wall full of scrolls. When the word of God was written down and easily able to be transported around the world, you no longer needed the validity of a miracle to, to show this is the word of God. We have the word of God right here. And connected to this, are the gifts that God still gives to his church. Now realize, this is a very short list. There's a whole bunch of other gifts. And Paul's speaking specifically to the church in Corinth here. And he speaks about wisdom, knowledge, and faith. Now this message of wisdom is the ability to identify law and gospel and apply it to the hearts of Christians. This book, 66 Books all brought together in a library has these two teachings over and over and over again, law which shows our sin and the gospel which shows our Savior. It is a gift from the Holy Spirit to be able to put that to use. When there's conflict in your home, at some point to realize I'm wrong. There's no sense in defending myself anymore. To use law on your own heart to say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And to insist that your spouse, your Christian spouse, your Christian child, whoever it is that you've sinned against would say, I forgive you. To use the gospel on you, even after you've used the gospel on your own heart, that's a gift from the Holy Spirit and you all have it. It's a gift that you might be better at using when you're older than you were when you were young, but it is a gift that you have from the Holy Spirit and God gives you the ability to use it. Knowledge is the ability to take the scriptures and when they seem really complicated, to boil it down in a logical, clear, concise way so that other people can understand it too. Not everyone has this gift, but many people do. And if you've ever taught a child, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, I would argue you have it even just a little. The ability to explain the scriptures to a child is the gift of knowledge. And the gift of faith here is a little different than the gift of faith we talked about at the beginning. This is extraordinary faith. This is faith that clings to God no matter what. You've seen people like this. People who are suffering in ways that you could not even begin to imagine. You've never suffered like they have and yet you listen to them talk They cling to God's promises no matter what comes their way. It's a gift that maybe you don't have when you're young, but maybe you have when you're old. A lot of children have it. Look at Christian young people who are suffering awful diseases and who cling to Jesus as their only hope. They have a faith that inspires those around them. It's a lot of teaching today. Going through a text that is full of information, But I chose to take this path today for one simple reason. If we're ever going to better appreciate what Pentecost is, if we're ever going to put it at the same level as Christmas and Easter, where it rightly deserves to be, if we're ever going to celebrate the work of the Holy Spirit, we first have to better understand it. 
We have to start by better understanding what the Holy Spirit does in our hearts. God, the Holy Spirit, often viewed as the silent one, is the one who points away from himself to the work of the Father and to the work of the Son. To the work of the Father who planned and carried out your salvation, to the work of the Son who carried it out. By the grace of this triune God, you now know who Jesus is and what he's done even for you, even for me. You've been brought from death to life and you have been given gifts. I know this. I can see them in each and every one of you. And if you don't see them, come and talk to me. I would love to show you the gifts that you're missing. For some of us, we do struggle with arrogance. We think, wow, look at how great the gifts are that God has given to me. I must be special. Others, it's jealousy of the gifts that we don't have or even despair, thinking there's no gifts at all. I don't see a ton of arrogance here. I might see a little bit more on the jealousy and despair side from time to time. Brothers and sisters in Christ who don't think they have much to offer or brothers and sisters in Christ who wish they had quote-unquote better gifts. One of my roles as your pastor is to help you see the gifts that God has given to each and every one of you as individual Christians. And that's also a gift that you each have for one another. Because as you look around, you see gifts in your brothers and sisters in Christ, don't you? You see a ton of gifts in your brothers and sisters in Christ. And a lot of times, if you're jealous or despairing, it's because you're focusing more on the gifts of those around you than you are on identifying the gifts that God has given to you. So today I encourage balance. Help those around you see their gifts because you know they're there. Compliment one another. Help every single brother and sister in your circle of friends here at Mount Olive better understand how the Holy Spirit has worked gifts in them. And then if you're having a hard time seeing them in yourself, ask me, ask a trusted brother or sister in Christ. In all, in all humility, help me better understand how God has gifted me. You have gifts. They're there. And God has given you the ability to use them. He works through his word that you would put your unique gifts to work. Not for your own glory, but for the common good, for the good of those around you. Today we celebrate the work of the Holy Spirit who gives gifts to his church. Amen.